Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestling to the Max's 205 Live review. Uh, Of course, I am not Sean Garmer, who is usually in the spot. I am Paul Leeser. With me, however, as usual, is Mr. Harry Broadhurst. Good evening once again, Paul. Good evening once again, indeed, Harry, because we just did our SmackDown review, which you can find over on W2Mnet.com, where you can find all of our great podcasts, such as Wrestling to the Max, which I am on, and Wrestling Unwrapped, which Harry is on. Uh, Harry, of course, also does a whole ton of other work elsewhere, which we will talk about later, uh, because right now we have some 205 Live to talk about, uh, and before I forget, I also need to thank 411 Mania for putting us up as well. Good folks over there, lots of reviews, and all sorts of other stuff there as well. So... Coming out of SummerSlam here for 205 Live, uh, we learned on Raw that we're going to see a rematch for the Cruiserweight title once again as uh, Akira Tozawa goes one-on-one with Neville. But before we get there, uh, we have another rematch, and that's Cedric Alexander and Grand Metalik teaming up to take on Tony Nese and Drew Gulak. Good amount of time here. I really like this match, though. Uh, the faces look super impressive. Metalik seemed really on his game. Cedric was on point as well, and and Nice and Gulak are just, they're so good together, if you ask me. I really hope they keep this act together and maybe use it to help promote both guys and, and get them further up to card together, because, like I said, I think they're just, they're terrific together. I almost feel like their talents are being wasted in the cruiserweight division when they can actually help a fledgling tag team division in the WWE in general right now, too. Mm-hmm. Because Nice doesn't look like a cruiserweight. He he is, but he doesn't look like Run. I think he has the body type that could stand toe-to-toe with a team like the Usos, with a team like the Fashion Police, with a team like even Ambrose and Rollins in a kind of size context, if not necessarily a personality contest. Mm-hmm. I, I would be okay with that as well, just because I think Drew Gulak's campaign for a better 205 Live so far could be very applicable to uh, maybe a campaign for a better WWE tag team division, or as you were mentioning, or just a campaign for a better WWE and trying to promote uh, quote-unquote good virtues, like uh, maybe the good clean Tony Nese lives up to in his example for. So I agree with you. I think the sky's the limit for those two if they do want to move them, but uh, I think they have them pretty well set in stone here until either 205 Live uh, dies or they just get sick of being here. I've 
I've stated before when we've done 205 Live, and even when he was appearing on Raw when I was doing the reaction as well, that I am not the world's biggest Grand Metallic fan. I thought that I thought that his run in the Cruiserweight Classic was overblown. I don't think any of his matches were that great in the Cruiserweight Classic. He really impressed me tonight. And the main thing was is that moonsault that he did to the floor oh. could have ended horrendously. Mm-hmm. But he hit it clean as a whistle. Yeah. I've uh, I've got to see a lot of Grand Metalik, uh, of course, in New Japan. Before that, with my uh, occasional dalliances with uh, CMLL, which is uh, where he made his name, of course, as Mascara Dorada. Um, I I thought he was really good in the Cruiserweight Classic myself. Uh, it's just, whenever they made the transition to Two Hundred Five Live and it, waiting for him to debut, and then when he did, it, it didn't go very well, and so they shuttered into main event essentially and. I, the guy's got a heap of talent, if you ask me. They just really need to give him uh, a platform. Because I, I think on Raw, as well as this week on 205 Live, he's been really impressive. I would say out of the two masked guys in the uh, Cruiserweight division, I probably prefer Lince Dorado, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm more invested in Lince because yeah. I'm such a big fan of Shikara. Because mm-hmm. me and you have discussed Shikara here on the W2M Network before. Yep. So it's not exactly it's not exactly a secret of my fan- allegiance towards Shikara. Therefore, I'm much more familiar with Lindsay and his run in Shikara than I would be with somebody like Grand Metalik before he came to the WWE. As you mentioned, working for New Japan and CMLL. Mm-hmm. Uh, le- yeah, like you just mentioned, me both me and Harry are big fans of uh, Shikara. I've followed Lindsay for for a while. Um, I I really enjoy his work too. I just uh, you know it's two Gulak. guys. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Gulak and Shakara too, if not necessarily oh. at, if not necessarily as Drew Gulak. Yeah, right. Uh, even though he did do some work there as as Drew Gulak as time went on, um, but yeah. I mean Drew's obviously much more familiar for fans of Combat Zone Wrestling and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Gulak's last match in Shakara was against none other than Lightning Mike Quackenbush. I believe you are correct in that. I believe you are uh, correct. This. The season 16 finale uh, last year, I believe, yeah. would have been when that match happened. I think you're right. I think you're right. I know they've started booking his cousin, uh, Rory Gulak, down there now, too. So, Little brother. L- oh, little brother. Sorry. I-, I knew there was a relation. I just couldn't remember which. <laughs> uh, r- Combat Zone wrestling fans will be familiar with Rory Gulak as well. He used to wrestle as Little Mondo. Yes, that is correct. Uh, which I-, I always liked Little Mondo, too, so... Uh, we're getting off track here, though. Uh, tag match was good. We move on. Titus and uh, Akira Tozawa have a backstage segment. Uh, Tozawa is ready to get his championship back. Not a whole lot to talk about there, unfortunately. But then we get this segment with Gallagher uh, coming out for his gentleman's duel, uh, who says, you know, he hasn't really been much of a gentleman during this because sometimes you have to be a, a bigger, you know, a brute. You can't be as gentlemanlike when somebody won't back down and keeps messing with you. So... Uh, he calls out Kendrick for the match. Kendrick, however, appears on the screen, calls Jack uh, pathetic, and uh, basically uh, just calls him a clown, to which says he won't be fighting tonight, he'll be fighting somebody else, which turns out to be a clown. Uh, Gallagher whoops up on him before Kendrick runs in and uh, attacks him with an umbrella and then power bombs him through the table that was in the ring that had a whole bunch of different implements for the duel that uh, never really got used and next week they're going to have themselves an ODQ match so uh, this 
I don't think this was very good at all, if you ask me. <laughs> what happened to badass Jack Gallagher? I mean, he was there for half a second. Yeah. He was getting ready to power bomb a clown through a table. Yeah, yeah. freaking who? <laughs> Note the level of excitement in my voice as I say this almost completely monotone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sooner we get Gallagher away from Kendrick, probably the better for all parties involved. I liked Kendrick's run in the Cruiserweight Classic. I thought that the story was very well told, and we kind of talked about that go- upcoming in the in the May Young Classic with Serena Deeb. Yep. That veteran looking to prove that they can still hang with the newer class here. Mm-hmm. Um, you could almost make the argument that uh, Kendrick has outlived his usefulness in the Cruiserweight division, though. Because... None of his matches have, have none of his matches recently have been that great, and none of his storylines recently have provided any moments that are super compelling either. I will give you the storyline thing. I I do, however, feel like his big match at the end with Tozawa really catapulted Tozawa at least into a bigger limelight uh, to where he could challenge for Neville and all that. And, and obviously, you've seen where that's lead for the both of those guys, but. I think Kendrick's really struggled to connect on this feud, and it's mostly just because I think the content of it's been relatively silly, right? I mean, Kendrick's basically just mocking Gallagher, and he's just not the kind of performer, I feel like, who can do that very well. Well, at least this wasn't another Funwood Photoshop segment, as we've talked about in the past here. Yes, (laughs) it was not that, thank God. Uh, It just is a segment that literally had a clown. So, I guess, take away from that what you Interestingly enough... Interestingly enough, Paul, that clown, member of WWE Creative. <laughs> you think he wrote this segment just to get himself on TV? Uh, well, that's how, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Dave Kapoor got on television as Ranjin Singh. Singh, yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> S- screw it, why not? Why not? <laughs> I'll take uh, a table bump, Sure. It did at least give me the added satisfaction before Gallagher, uh, before he got attacked, at least when he was about to powerbomb him to scream, you're going to die, clown, pretty loudly. So <laughs> thank you, WWE, for that. <laughs> uh, it, it, that clown was not. Moving on. It's true. <laughs> we get some highlights uh, to show off TJP's attack on, um, or excuse me, TJP's interference uh, that led to Davari beating Rich Swan last week. TJP and Swan have some interaction backstage where uh, TJP reveals that he injured his knee when uh, over during his match where he previously beat Rich Swan and says, "You know what? Uh, if you can, if you can, uh, if you can beat Davari, then maybe this competition will be, I don't know, sort of settled." This was kind of hard for me to follow, if you ask me, just because. They weren't super strong, at least in trying to deliver the message. Yeah, Gallagher, excuse me, not Gallagher, Perkins and Swan shine in the ring. Mm -hmm. Their personalities are, Swan has a personality, but it doesn't come across on a microphone, if that makes sense. I think you're right there. Like, Swan is somebody, Swan is somebody that people can get behind because of how charismatic he is. Unfortunately, that char- that charisma that Swan has doesn't necessarily translate into good promos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's more of a innate 
uh, ringside charisma that he has, the ability to his dance moves, obviously, the personality that he shows inside of the ring. Just as I was saying, none of it translates to his microphone segments. Mm-hmm. The biggest knock on TJ Perkins has always been the dude cannot cut a promo. Yep. There has never been any argument against how good TJ was in the ring. TJ's been a phenomenal tech, a phenomenal technician since he broke into the business back in the in the mid to late two thousands. Mm-hmm. Going all the way back to his days as Puma in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Also, uh, the New Japan Dojo. Yes, where he was, where he trained at the same time as, as SmackDown General Manager Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. So the knock on TJ has never been his in-ring abilities; it's always been his microphone abilities because he has none. Right. Now, granted, condescending douche TJ is a little bit better than plucky babyface TJ, mm-hmm. but it's almost six of one, half a dozen of the other in the long run when it comes to promo ability. Right, uh, and I think TJ is. Oh God, excuse me. Works so much better as a heel. So much better as a heel. So I think they have him on the right track here. It's just I don't think the content really was was here for this to be anything than whatever mess they were trying to settle here. But can can Drew Gulak be TJ's manager? I, or you know you could just uh, well you know why not why not you know I I really wish they would get behind that campaign for a better two hundred five live some more so. We'll, uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but we, we have this wonderful main event to talk about where Neville defends Cruiserweight title against Tozawa. Probably the best match these two have had against each other. I don't feel like that's going too far. Um, very, very solid. I felt like it's back and forth. There were times where it felt like Tozawa might win, um, which I greatly appreciated, but Neville ends up locking in the uh, the rings of Saturn after just basically murdering Tozawa uh, and uh, or sk- he misses the senton but he just absolutely destroys Tozawa before that. Um, you notice Neville had to resort to the high flying tactics against Tozawa here as well to help put him away. The uh, the flipping dive to the outside where he basically lands on Tozawa's bad shoulder and that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the contest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have no complaints about this match. I was thoroughly entertained. I really enjoyed it. I I would I would say it's at least as good as their match on Raw last week, and maybe even a little bit better because of the fact that they had more time and they had more focus, and they had the commentary team that actually gave a crap about them. Yes, that, that is very helpful. Because <laughs> uh, traditionally, when the traditionally when the cruiserweight matches are on Raw, they're used as talking points for what's going to happen later on in the show. Very true. See what happened last night during the Gate Man tag match. That if you weren't paying really close attention, you don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, so after Neville retains here, uh, he runs Tozawa down for his attempt at uh, trying to be champion and at trying to dethrone him. He uh, ends up, he's about to start praising himself and going his usual king rant, but here comes Enzo. You're soft, Amore. you're sloppy. Yes. They call you Poppy. <laughs> he uh, Enzo Stop. does his usual stuff, and uh, Neville basically doesn't even acknowledge him. He doesn't even talk to him. He just walks away while Enzo's doing his stuff, which I thought was perfect. Uh, so they have somebody that fans at least care about now on 205 Live, possibly challenging Neville here in the long run. Uh, how talented do you think Neville is? Because if he can pull Enzo to something great, then this guy deserves so much more. <laughs> um, 
Evil Neville has been one of the best things on Raw over the course of the last calendar year. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything that Neville isn't capable of. The question of this is how motivated is Enzo going to be? Because mm-hmm. you have to question whether Enzo is going to view this as a, as a second chance being moved to the cruiserweight division or if he's going to look at it as a demotion being moved to 205 Live. Obviously, obviously things weren't going well on Raw for him, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Enzo Amore being Enzo Amore pisses people off legitimately. Mm-hmm. Now that he's on 205 Live, a show that needs personalities, a show that needs characters, he is by far and away the biggest personality on this show. And he might be the one guy that can get these fans to actually give a damn about the cruiserweight division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If not from his, his in ring exploits, from what he's capable of doing on the microphone to talk them into the building, as they used to say. Right. Uh, we're very much looking at somebody now. You have a whole show full of guys who can absolutely go in the ring up and down the card. And now you have one guy here who can, as Harry just said, talk you into the building. And maybe this is really what they need. They need somebody over there who can generate some hype for something, and we know Enzo can do that very well. So I'm interested. I don't know if I'm glued to my TV, but seeing where this goes could be very, very good, especially because, like you said, Neville's been maybe the best character on TV this year. I mean, they had somebody else that could have talked the fans into the building as well, but they just never gave him the opportunity to take that to take that top-level spot in 205 Live, and I think you know who I'm referring to here. Um, I don't think so. I'm referring to A-Double. Ah, okay. Austin Aries, yes. Um, and I agree with you on that point, just because Aries is such a a gifted talker, but, I mean, the, the... They gave him multiple promos, and, and it's not like they were bad or anything. They were still good. I just... They never. I don't think they gave him a shot on the other side of the coin, right? Where we we talked about this on SmackDown. You have so much on the main roster now, where you have to worry about being good at both sides of the equation here. And while he's very good at both, they never treated him as a super serious. Well, I shouldn't say they. They, they never gave him what they gave Tozawa, if you ask me. No, they kind of uh, they kind of shunted his growth for for 205 Live when they had him lose three straight matches to Neville. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically speaking, where was there for Aries to go from there? He had already been defeated three times by the champion. What was the point for him in staying around, in my opinion? I I understand why he asked for his release, because I think that he feels like there are better opportunities for him elsewhere. And he's probably right when it comes to promotions like GFW, where he's a former heavyweight champion, mm-hmm. and Ring of Honor, where he's a former heavyweight champion. Yeah. I absolutely agree, and there's so much growth opportunity in at least ROH that I can see right now, because, you know, the the whole New Japan relationship, obviously, and um, it's not like GFW doesn't have those relationships overseas either, but I feel like GFW's almost have been there, done that for them, because as much as they say they're different, they stay the same, whereas Ring of Honor might have some better opportunities for them. Plus, I mean, they could really use a veteran there, too, so... The other thing with Ring of Honor, too, is the fact that Ring of Honor is starting to expand again with Sinclair buying more and more of the uh, the CW channels, the My Network television channels, those kind of B-market stations into markets in order to get penetration into those markets there. And having their product in front of more eyes and having somebody that's a recogni- recognizable face on their product, such as an Austin Aries, is going to do nothing but benefit them. Too true. Too true. So... Um 
I mean, that's pretty much all of 205 Live. That main event's great. I mean, this entire all the wrestling on this show was wonderful. So if you have uh, an extra hour, I would definitely recommend you go watch it. But uh, it's plug time, Harry. So what are you going to plug? Uh, and I lost you, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, this happened to be in SmackDown. Now it's happening here, too. Uh, so I'll, I'll plug at least my stuff. We, we did. Uh... Oh, there's Harry. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Dude, you would not believe the hassle I am having with my internet tonight. I, I, I could, because this isn't the first time it's happened. <laughs> oh, Harry, where'd you go? Oh, boy. What's up? I'm here. Okay. Uh, we're at plug time, man, so plug away. Oh, uh, we're not doing a rating? Uh, me and Sean didn't used to rate this. We just was talking done. But if you want to rate it, let's go ahead and rate it. Go for it. Um, I'd probably put it around the same score I gave SmackDown, around a 7.5. I think the wrestling in the, inside of the ring was much better than a 7.5, but I think that Gallagher-Kendrick segment drags it down. I, I think so, too, not to mention TJP and Rich Swan's uh, a promo at attempting to try to tell a story that has Davari involved somewhere that, I mean, we know Rich and Davari are going to wrestle. I just don't really think the point came across as to why other than competition, but uh, the wrestling on this show was very, very good, uh, and that's most of the hour, fortunately, so I'm willing to give the show a 7, for sure. Uh, main event was wonderful. I loved the tag match. Good stuff happening there. Plug away, sir. All right. Um, first, before I get into any of my own personal plugs, I'm going to plug another show here on the network. I want to give a shout-out to my Raw Reaction co-host, Robert Taylor, for his MMA to the Max podcast. He's recently done interviews with um, recently signed to the UFC, Jose Shorty Torres, as well as UFC fighter Eric Anders. So if you're into mixed martial arts, by all means, make sure you give uh, Robert Taylor and his cousin Joe Hudson an opportunity with their MMA to the Max podcast. In addition, you can find myself and Sean traditionally here on the SmackDown and 205 Live reviews. I want to thank Paul for sitting in this week so that way we could actually get a podcast out for you guys. And then myself and Patrick Ketza co-host Wrestling Unwrapped on Sunday nights. Uh, This particular Sunday night's episode, we are going to be working on catching up a little bit because... The show that we were supposed to do on August 13th, I was out of town for. I was going. I went to visit my sister and my brother-in-law out of state. So we're going to record a pair of shows this particular Sunday night here. We're going to have... <coughs> excuse me. Road Wild 1998, and then we're going to finish off our August 1998 pay-per-view coverage by handling the Highway to Hell SummerSlam of 1998 as well. So look out for those either late this week or early next week here on the W2M Network. Yeah, uh, and of course, myself, Patrick, and Harry, we did uh, our first episode of our May Young Classic coverage on Sunday, which you can find on W2Mnet.com as well, uh, where we go over and make predictions for the first round as well as talk about all of the women participating in the tournament and uh, you know some more witty banter as well, if you're into that. Uh, plus myself, I'm on Wrestling to the Max every week with Sean Garmer and Gary Vaughn. Uh, episodes every Monday and Thursday is when we record, but they're waiting for you there Tuesday and Friday on the download. And, of course, we review Raw and SmackDown and NXT and basically everything WWE does, plus uh, a whole lot of other stuff. So, so. 
Lots of uh, lots, lots of great of- content out there for you, and uh, we want to thank you guys for listening in with us once again. And you guys have a great night. Make sure you watch Lucha Underground this week, people. Yes, make sure you watch Lucha Underground this week. It's been awesome. <laughs> the following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.